squats and margaritas it's nutritionist and former d1 collegiate soccer player like me riley Beatty. she works with athletes now she designs nutrition plans i want to talk to her about when she quit her career losing that soccer identity because we definitely have that in common how it affected her and i almost called my book to the woman working out and not seeing results i see so many women who were frustrated like me that they work out seven days a week and they barely eat and they're not losing weight. I wanted her to speak to that woman who is putting so much effort in, but not seeing the results. There's a better way. And I've got her here to share it. Here's my episode with Riley Beatty. Hi. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm so good. I'm about to blow your mind. If you answer this to how I think you are, did you play soccer at NC state? Yeah. No freaking way. (laughs) Almost like I committed like this is I I have goosebumps. I thought I saw you post. I knew that we both played soccer. You didn't play for Laura Kerrigan, did you? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little bit older, but I know who that is. (laughs) She came to all of my recruiting tournaments, all the ODP, everything. And it, it was in North Carolina. So I was like, it's a little bit far, but she was like so invested in me. I loved her. I went on my official visit. Loved all the, I feel like it was like a big sorority, uh, school. And I was in, I loved the girls. I committed my letter of intent was in the mail in the mail. Like I'm about to sign. And at the last second, a girl that I played soccer with in Ohio played at university of Dayton, which was like an hour and a half for me. And yeah. they'd been pretty good. Like they had a really good team that year. And I was like, I was almost going Riley to like solidify that I was going to NC state. And I was like, I'll just go check it out. And at the last second I changed my mind and ultimately thought it would be better because I'd be closer to family. They could come to my games and I had to call Laura. I wrote about it in my book. Like I just, I got off the phone and was just crying and she was so disappointed and it like didn't feel right. And my mom was like, you're really upset about it. But I was like, no, I want you guys to be able to come to my games. And that decision, I feel like shit went downhill as soon as I did not go to NC state and I got depressed and I ended up quitting soccer in the middle of my sophomore season. And I feel like, had I gone where you went, (laughs) the trajectory of my life would have been different, but I also kind of like found my purpose. I wanted to start out by talking about that, like that athlete identity, like, Mm -hmm. was that a hard transition for you as a division one soccer player to like, not be a soccer player anymore? Honestly, like I could sugarcoat it and say like, no, it was easy, but (laughs) but it was hard. Um, I actually went to university of Georgia, my freshman year. And then I I transferred (laughs) to NC state. So, um, I was at NC state for like, I don't know, like the three years or whatever. And I actually tore my ACL, like my first game of my senior year. Oh yeah. So I feel like it might have been because of that. Like it was a really, really hard time, but I feel like it might've been a little bit easier for me because like I'm still around the team. And then I was like deciding like, do I take my fifth year? But I started to like, be a part of a team, but like also kind of disassociate myself, you know, cause you're not going to like away tournaments or, or games. Right. You're not going to every oh. single practice, you know, you're going to physical therapy or rehab. Um, but I think it is a really hard transition because like, especially like growing up playing club sports and I, I don't even know how the kids do it like now. Cause I feel like it's even more intense yeah. <laughs> these days. Yeah. Um, but it's just like such a huge part of you and like to say goodbye to that part of you. 
um, is really hard. Um, but that's why I feel like I'm really lucky with like my career path that I chose because I Mm -hmm. still get to be around the sport, but I just have like a different role on the team now, if that makes sense. No, of course it was hard for me because like growing up, I, I didn't realize till writing my book, how much soccer was my identity. And I'm one of four girls and all four of us played division one college soccer. No one was obsessive and psychotic like me. Like I would train. I'm firstborn. Are you by chance? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I swear. Like my three younger sisters are like, whatever, like going into like freshman year, like conditioning and like the, we had to do this gauntlet conditioning test. Like I was obsessed all year training. And my sisters, like one played at Ohio state, one played at coastal Carolina and one played at JMU. They oh would be like at the last second, it's like, I'll go for a run or something, whatever. If I don't do well in the, uh, I had to like win the fitness competition. Like I had to go yeah. in and I worked so hard and I was so obsessed with it. And I actually like looking back, like I had so many others. I was homecoming queen. I was prom queen. I only cared about soccer and we were back-to-back state champions. I was the, uh, captain my junior and senior year. So I'm going in with like all this confidence. And then Riley, I get to Dayton and I didn't play. And I like, I didn't know what to do with that. Like, I'm not used to not playing. And you can say like, I was a freshman, but I was like, I, this is as much as you work. Like you get up and you go to a lift then you go to class and then you're, it's a division one program. It's your whole life. And I felt like I was putting so much into it and I wasn't playing and I quit. And you talk about like being a little bit around the team, but kind of not, I lived in the soccer house And they would like go to tournaments and leave for practice. And I just sat there and it hit me so hard that like I, that identity was gone. And I felt like nothing else was like, if I'm not a soccer player, it was like, what the hell? Like they go to their tournaments and I'd sit in the house. And then I, I was depressed. I started eating everything. I struggled with bulimia for almost 10 years. And it all sparked from losing my soccer identity. And I wonder had I gone where they wanted me to go (laughs) and finish my career. But then I don't know. I think I found my purpose in it, but I swear it's like a firstborn perfection obsession. And my sisters didn't have it. And it was everything to me. And then one, like on a whim, I was like, no, I'm done. And it was gone. And I was lost. Yeah. Well, I feel like that's a lot of like how like disordered eating happens because you look for something to control. Yes. Um, And also congratulations on like you know, recovering from that. That's not like an easy journey. Um, so congratulations. I appreciate Um, it. Yeah, no, I think it's really interesting. I do. And we see that a lot with like that transition from high school to college where you put a ton of work in, right? Like you're not just good because you didn't try, right. You put a ton of work in and because of that, like you become the best. And then what happens is you go to college and everybody's the best. Yep. So you like start putting that work in and you're not getting those immediate like wins and like immediate results that you're used to. Yep. So then you start to look for what else can I try really hard at Yes. and get those immediate wins. So I think, yeah, I think that's really interesting. I guess kind of how you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's actually like, even it's getting worse these days because we see so many athletes who are just single sport athlete. Mm-hmm. So you put, you start playing a sport when you're five, like you're identified as good. And then you're just like pushed in that sport. Yeah. Um, I think my mom, like, and I still laugh about this, but I think one of the best things that my mom did for me as an athlete is she made me do swim team. 
Mm. And I was so bad at some teams. Like <laughs> I was so bad. Like I was 12 and they'd be like, you can go to the six and under. I was like, but it humbled you as an yeah. athlete uh, to be a swimmer. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, just put me on land. Like, let me go. Like, come on. But I think that like almost taught me how to lose. If that makes sense. Yeah. I wasn't used to that. I didn't like that. Yeah. And when you're like the captain and like running the team and then you're not going in. I have a big problem with fairness. I found, I swear, like write your story and you will learn so much about yourself. I was like, this isn't fair. I could score multiple goals in practice and not go in the game. It's my mindset. And I, um, I know you follow Victoria Garrick. I'm talking to her on Wednesday, freaking out. I know she finally said yes, but she talks about the athlete mindset and the mental health of athletes. And it's just now because of her being talked about. And there was no like counselor or anything. Like I was struggling so much And I feel like too, the culture is changing where you talk about your struggles, but like, I was so depressed. I was so frustrated with everything. Then I was throwing up my food, like hiding that from everyone. So I was isolated and it was just obviously the worst time of my life. And I think back, like if there had been a resource for like mental health or even like, do you see in your, like being a sports nutritionist, did you, do you talk to women? Like, was that something that was more prevalent than I'm, I didn't know anybody that struggled with an eating disorder that I played with, or they didn't say it out loud. So I think like going back to NC state, I do think the amount of resources that we had available was like very ahead of the game. Wow! Like the fact that I graduated in 2014 and the fact that like I saw at least some type of like psych and mental health support, like during my transition out of sport, I think is very, very rare, especially like, you know, looking at almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, And I saw them, I know I saw, I saw them once, which again, like she was like, I think you already like know what you want to do. Like it was great. And I'm such a big proponent of like mental health. And like, I've been to therapy like multiple times myself and like, you need to see, you know, on a regular basis, but like, just even have that resource available for athletes, I think is like huge. Um, I do think we're starting to see more and more of that support, like at the power five. Um, but I, there is like a huge, like mental health component to all of this. And I think what happens a lot, especially in soccer is the athlete that's struggling, whether it's mental health or if it's like somewhere on the disordered eating spectrum, they don't necessarily, let's say like, look like the typical eating disorder. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're not like super skinny because you're muscular. Yeah. Yeah. I literally remember going around the locker room and like, again, we didn't know any better, right? Like going on the locker room and like, none of us had our period. And like, like we wow. thought it was cool though. Like it's great. Like <laughs> I mean, it sounds great. It. Or, like, <laughs> Not dangerous going, at all. <laughs> or like, I remember going to, this happened to me. Um, I remember going to my, being told by my coach that I was not going to play at the college level. If like, or like I wasn't, after I committed, like I wasn't going to play if I was at my current weight and that I needed to lose weight. Uh, That's what my coach is telling me. And then I go to the doctor and I don't have my period. And my physician's telling me like, it's normal. Like, um, you know, woman, like active woman and active, you know, girls, athletes, like don't get their period. Like it's mm -hmm. normal. So Mm -hmm. then like I'm being told to lose weight and I already don't have a period. Yeah. I think it's hard, but I just, I just, I see that so much where like people just assume that there's like not any type of like disordered eating because you don't look a certain way. 
And what's funny is like people hear you're bulimic, you throw up your food, you're probably super skinny. I was the heaviest I ever was when I was bulimic because purging, like you throw off all your hormones. And I just was like in a, it looked like a bloated, like fat suit of me. So anyone that saw me was not like thinking eating disorder. Like they just assume depressed. I was quit soccer. And that's the other thing, like a division one strength and conditioning program. Like I eat all day long and it was fine, but to go like cold Turkey from that to 45 minutes on the elliptical, here's another thing you'll understand at the student rec center, because I couldn't go to the athlete building anymore. And what that did to me mentally that like, I couldn't even, I had to go work out at the rec and it just felt like I, it did something to me. Like the whole trajectory of my life changed when I quit soccer, but anyway, 45 minutes on the elliptical is not going to get it done. So the bulimia almost started out of like slightly, like I was boredom, like boredom, just being in house alone, I would just start eating. And then I did want to be like, lose weight, but it, it doesn't make you lose weight. Like it throws off everything. And, and then I was so, like you said, it's something I could control. It was something that I had control over of. And it, you just get, you almost like black out. Like I, I'm talking to Victoria about it on Wednesday. She was like, when I would binge, I didn't even know that I was there. Like you black out, you eat everything. And it was just a cycle. Like you, that's all you think about. And we didn't have any kind of mental health resources. I'm 10 years older than you. I graduated in 2004 Okay, and there was nothing. And there was no like talk about what's next. Like you're just kind of like, and when you don't have anything and you put everything obsessively into your career, then it's gone. And it's not like women, like, unless you're, um, on the national team, like you're kind of, you're done. Like you're not going to play anymore. And then it's just gone. And it's like, what now? Right. And even when you look at the pro level, like the resources, like at the college level, like are still higher than what they're getting right now, at least like stateside for sure, which is sad. I think it's changing. And I think the sport itself is changing. And I think there is a lot more of an emphasis on mental health. Um, I think also nutrition. (laughs) I'm working on that. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's what I want to, I want to get into that with, with nutrition. I almost called my book to the woman working out and not seeing results because even after I got rid of all my eating disorder mess, I was healed. Well, I, I said I wasn't abusing my body anymore, but I was still heavily restricting. I would go to restaurants and you only looked at the salads. Like you would never allow yourself anything else. I'd look at menus before I'd go out. We'd be on vacation. And I'm like, does the hotel have a gym out just obsessed? And I wasn't, I didn't have an eating disorder, but I was barely eating working out seven days a week. There's no chance you could pay me to take a day off. And I weighed 20 pounds more than I do now. So I wrote to the woman who is on the treadmill or on the cardio machine, seven days a week, barely eating and starving herself. Can you speak on as a nutritionist, why an active woman, like an, it's basically like an athlete. They may not have played a sport, but the women that I worked out with, it was like orange theory, five days a week, they ate real clean and they couldn't lose weight. And I was that same woman. Can you explain why that doesn't work? Yeah. I think what happens is like when we look at health and we look at like, I don't know, when we look at health, we only think like physical health, right? And when we look at fueling, right, we only think about it as like the energy and the food. Everybody's counting calories, like everybody's counting macros. Like nobody's like, I'm going to count my vitamins and minerals. Like (laughs) nobody is like, everybody's just like focused on like physical things. And when it comes to, like health and fueling, there's just so many more parts of the puzzle, right? So you have like, you have your mental health, you have your social health, you have your emotional health, right? And all of those are like super tied into that as well. And when you're just like focused on your physical health, you're going to orange theory, you're barely eating anything. Your body's just like in a state of stress, 
right? Yes. And then <laughs> also when you add on top, right? Like you're going on vacation. So that's, oh, that's like self-care. Like that's relaxing. But you've already scoped out the gym. You've already looked at all the menus. You yep. are waking up before your family so you can go work out before yeah. they get up. So yeah. then you're not getting enough sleep, right? You're just bodies like in this Obsessed. state of stress. Yes. So we like we always like talk about how stress is so important and stress reduction and all of that. But until we can like really figure out like how to reduce stress for ourselves, like we're going to be in this state of like bloat and tightness and all of that stuff. So yes. um, cortisol, this, isn't that like the stress hormone? Okay. Yep. Cortisol just like floating around and we're just like not in a state of relaxation. Um, I think there's always a focus. I always see this too, where like, I'm like, okay, like you need to eat more food and people just think that they need to like decrease, 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 decrease when it comes to fueling, instead of like giving your body the like actual nutrients that it needs. Yeah. So I, I had somebody on my show and I was like, it's so funny. I was like, it doesn't even make sense, but it was like, when I just calm the F down and listen to my body, um, I lost the weight and I, I wasn't working as hard anymore. She's like, it actually makes a lot of sense because you were no longer like you just described in this high stress environment, the cortisol levels go down and then it almost feels easier now. Like I, I I'm not in the gym. I'm in the gym maybe three times, four times a week. Um, and I eat all day long. I listen to my hunger cues. My body's not starving anymore because it's like when you're under fueling, can you talk about that too? It's like your body's holding onto it to keep you alive essentially. Right. That's why so that's kind of like my whole thing is like making people like more of an efficient athlete, like the amount of people that I work with. And I'm like, okay, you're going to like double or triple. And I know this like sounds like diet culture or like she's preaching something, but like, like I have athletes that will double or triple the amount that they're eating and then like lose 10 pounds because yes. they're becoming more efficient. Like when you look at the metabolism, you look at the thyroid, you look at like, again, your that cortisol level. We just are so focused on like what we can cut down and like trying to get as small as possible instead of like becoming as efficient as possible. Yes. It's efficient. My body started working again. Like I turned back on my metabolism with my nutrition and it was just I'm eating so much more than I was before. And I weigh 20 pounds less. And I obviously I'm not a nutritionist. I don't have, I'm not a trainer, but I wrote this book to the woman working out and not seeing results. Like, listen to your body. I was so used to just being hungry and it almost was like, oh my gosh. Okay. I, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm, I wouldn't snack because like I was trying to save calories for the day. And it like, it wasn't a meal time. Like if I was hungry, I would just wait till lunch. I'm not going to, I was saving calories because we're all, we're taught calories in versus calories out. I w I struggled with exercise bulimia for a while, like in high school. It's funny. You said your coach told you to lose weight when I got super skinny my junior year. I remember a coach was like, your crosses aren't even strong anymore. Like you've lost all the strength in your legs. And it like triggered something. Cause I was like, Oh God, soccer. The only thing that matters, this is affecting my soccer. I have to eat. So I started eating, but then my family didn't know I would go down in the basement on this like elliptical thing that they had in the dark. So nobody could see me. And I would work out the same amount of calories that I ate. I would have these little note cards. I would write down 300 calories, go on there, work out 300 calories. Like as if that's how it worked, it doesn't work that way. But in my mind, it was, it's a mental illness. I was canceling out all my calories and I was super skinny. And now I eat three times as much as I used to. And I weigh less, like it doesn't have to be that hard. And I think it's so hard, especially, I think a lot of women have, even if it's not an eating disorder, just like food noise to be told, eat more, to lose weight. 
Like I'd heard it before. I was like, absolutely not. That is ridiculous. Like you got to cut calories, calories in versus calories out. And that failed me for 20 years from 16 to 36. I was frustrated and stressed because I was like, I feel like I'm doing it the right way. And nobody tells women it's not calories in versus calories out. You need to eat more to make your body work again. When we look at the research, the problem is, is all the research and it's getting a little bit better, but like a lot of the research is done like college aged white males. Right. And when you look at our hormonal control compared to males, right. It's just different. So when we perceive stress versus like a biological male perceiving stress, right. The response is very different. Right. Mm. Because when we look at like our physiological, like, right. Our purpose is to be able to bear child. Right. So our body's going to do whatever it can to like allow that to happen. Right. So that's when we see stress, it's like, okay, oh my gosh, this is stress. This is danger. What am I going to do here to like like protect my childbearing abilities, right? Yeah. Like wow, yeah. I'm going to hold on to energy and I'm going to hold on to body fat because I need that to be able to reproduce, right? Males on the other hand, right? Like are supposed to protect, you know, biological fe- like females from um, anything that could hurt their pregnancy, right? So like they shred down, they get stronger, right? Yeah. Because of the stress. So I feel like all the time, like, you know, a woman come to me and tell me that their like partner or their husband, right. Has they're on the same diet and he's lost a ton of weight and they haven't like, yep. It's just clear, like, like sex yep. differences. Yeah. Um, with that. And so I think women or I guess females now are really figuring out like what works for them and it's different than everything that we've ever been told. More squats and margaritas in a moment. Now this. For so long, I would just have a glass of wine or two before bed and I would fall asleep fine. But a couple hours later, I'd be wide awake. And that's because wine has sugar. Make the transition to tequila. Tequila has no sugar, no carbs. It's gluten free. And I just found a tequila that is additive free, a clean spirit called Inspiro Tequila that was developed by a woman. It's crafted by women and every step from developing the taste profile to getting it on the shelves. It's all women and they support other women. Right now they're giving my listeners 10% off at InspiroTequila.com with promo code Margaritas10. That's Margaritas and the number 10 at InspiroTequila.com. It's smooth. You can sip it on the rocks or in a skinny margarita. And right now you can get it for 10% off at InspiroTequila.com. Now back to squats and margaritas. So intuitive eating, I feel like has changed everything for me. Are you a fan of mindful intuitive eating and talk about that? Yeah, I, I love intuitive eating. I like to call it like intuitive sports nutrition All right. <laughs> um, because <laughs> I work with athletes, right. And you have to, sometimes you have to push through that intuitive behavior, but, um, yeah. again, like you do need, I, you do need to listen to your body and no matter what your body always knows best. Exactly. And there's two parts of intuitive eating. Like I would ignore my hunger cues for so long, but now it's like, if I feel hungry, I eat. And there's the other part is when you feel satisfied, you stop eating. And before I don't like to waste, like I, if I had a full plate, I would eat until the, the food was gone. Not when I was satisfied. So it's like, if you just take that second to check in and be like, am I still hungry? Am I just eating? Cause there's food on the plate or cause I'm checked out in front of the TV. 
it sounds so simple. And I realize, like you said, it's almost learned to be intuitive is learned because I had like 20 years of mental stuff that I had to undo of not listening to my body. And now it is easy because I have learned to just check in and not, if I just ate breakfast an hour ago and I'm hungry again, it would be out of the question 10 years ago to have another breakfast. I already had breakfast. That's ridiculous. Now I just eat another breakfast and I weigh less. So I'm just trying to like spread this message of like, if you just honor your hunger cues, fullness and hunger, your body, like you said, will tell you what it needs. I do see though, like with so many athletes, like I start working with is like, because you've been ignoring your cues for so long, like you don't necessarily, and this is part of intuitive eating, but it's, you don't understand your cues. Right. So you're like, I'm not hungry, but like, you actually do need to eat breakfast. And like, you've ignored your hunger cues for 10 years. So now your body doesn't know that you're hungry. Um, so kind of like reworking that. And I think that's like the hardest part of everything yes. um, is like relearning and retrusting your body because I don't know, sometimes like when you, when you first start doing this and start listening to your body and start figuring it out, like you do gain weight sometimes because your body just is like confused, right? Like you've never been, you know, I don't know, you've been under fueling or restricting for 15 years. So yeah, you start eating and your body's like, this is awesome. Right. (laughs) And eventually it like it, I don't know, it kind of like levels out. out. Um, but I think that like in the beginning too is very stressful and then people freak out about it and I'm sure about the weight gain and then they stop doing it and they go back into the restriction. Yeah. You just have to trust the process almost. You mentioned you need to eat breakfast. So that brings me to intermittent fasting, which is all the rage. Um, as a nutritionist, how do you feel about intermittent fasting for women? Because I guess that's a new people weren't, we're only studying men. Like you said before, is it good for a woman is it beneficial and how for a woman to be intermittent fasting? Um, the research like doesn't necessarily support it with women, especially like women who are active and they're training, they just don't do as well in a fasted state. Like, if a woman is doing it though, or like a female is doing it and she loves it and it works for her, then I'm going to like support her and help, like, I guess, make sure that she's doing it properly, but I'm never going to really recommend it. Like that's not going to be the first place that I go. Um, Mm -hmm. because like the research shows that just females just don't do well in a fasted state. When you say works for her, is that fat loss? Like it works because it's, you lose weight from, is that what their goal is in intermittent fasting? Everybody will tell you something differently. Right. But I think like anytime you, anytime you do a diet, or like a diet, or you choose a certain lifestyle, or you even if you're eating, right, you have to understand like the why behind it, right? If you're going for performance goals, maybe you're a triathlete, right? Um, and you're, you know, fasting, because you want to increase your fat for fuel utilization. Okay, well, like, we already like as females already burn more fat. So like, that's not really going to help you, if that makes sense. Or if you're trying to gain muscle mass, like, that's also not going to help you. Are you somebody that maybe is trying to do fat loss and you feel like that's easier and you're seeing results from it and it's sustainable for you? Like, yes. I mean, when you look at intermittent fasting, right? Like instead of eliminating foods that you can eat, you're just eliminating times that you can eat. Mm -hmm. And your body is supposed to handle it better because you're giving your digestion time to take a break. <laughs> I wish people could see your face. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thought, right? Is to like give the gut time to relax. But 
I mean, there's, I like, if I don't really like the, I don't like the intermittent fasting. Like if you wanted to do some time restricted eating, like I would m- maybe be supportive of that. But again, it has to be the, the why, right? Because mm-hmm. I work mainly with athletes, like they're still, they're not eating enough anyway. So like, right. why am I going to add in like an additional restriction? Exactly. Um, I mean, there's like this new thing. It's like um, one meal a day. It's like OMAD or something like that. What? And you just eat one meal a day. No, no like <laughs> you can't eat like 3000 calories in one meal. Like that's very, Oh, right. Yeah. You're going to like, you're going to see weight loss because you're, again, you're not getting enough, enough energy, but you're also going to be absolutely miserable. <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite of intuitive eating. It's the opposite of honoring what your body wants, like telling it, like, I couldn't imagine. I finally got in touch with my body and like what it needs. And for me to feel hungry and be like, it's not time yet seems so counterintuitive to like everything I just learned. So I said, for me, I don't think it's the best, but I had her on because it, she said it changed people's lives. It balances hormones. So maybe someone listening, it will work for it. But as an athlete, and I like still call myself an athlete and I work out hard and I lift <laughs> heavy, I couldn't do my workout if I didn't eat anything. And people were like, oh no, fasted cardio. Cause then you're switching to burning fat for fuel instead of carbs. But like, I can't do this workout. If I don't have a bar or something, I wouldn't get through my workout. So it's not serving me as an athlete. Right. And also so many people do not realize that like how active they are, right? You're like, oh, I go to Orange Theory for like just an hour. And then like, I take the dog for a walk for like 30 minutes or an hour later at day. Like I'm not active. Yeah, you're pretty active. Like (laughs) pretty intense. (laughs) Not sitting Um, down. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Also like no matter what activity you're doing as a female, like if you're at Orange Theory, that's high intensity exercise and you're going to be burning carb. Like you can't get more fat. Unless you like, so it's just different. I think everybody's going to be different. And it's that why, if that makes sense. It totally. Can we talk about alcohol? And you can be honest with me um, Mm -hmm. as a (laughs) fit, um, healthy 40 year old. How bad is it for me to have alcohol most days of the week? Is that really messing with like, is that going to hinder my performance if I'm drinking in moderation? And if the answer is yes, I need the real answer. (laughs) <laughs> so I always like to start off with this fact. I know you didn't ask this, but I always just no, like give me it. So I think all the time. And if for any listener that thinks this, I just wanted to kind of share this, but alcohol is not a carbohydrate and alcohol is not a fat. Alcohol is its own separate macronutrient and it provides energy in a different way. So I think everybody always is like, Oh, those are that's alcohol that that counts towards my carb. Like, no sugar. Like, I always think alcohol is like a sh- yeah, carb is sugar. There no. is a carbohydrate in alcohol, but uh, alcohol it's, it's provides calories, right? So, like that's why if you look at a white claw, right? Yeah, that's what I drink. Um, <laughs> it's a hundred calories, right? But it only has yeah. two grams of carbohydrates. So when we look at that, about eight percent of the calories are coming from carbohydrates because you get you know eight calories for two grams of carbohydrates and the rest of it's coming from alcohol, but it's just like not on the label because it doesn't have to be per government regulations. So that I feel like is a huge thing because I see so many people are like, I'm not going to eat carbohydrates today because I'm eating my, I like to drink my carbs. I'm like, if you get a margarita, like, yeah, you're going to get carbs in that. But like, (laughs) if you're taking shots or you're having a vodka soda or you're having like a lot of these like low sugar beverages, like Mm -hmm. that's not carbs. I feel like I need to, um, anytime I have a nutritionist, I have to defend my, I drink most days 
because before it would be, I'm not, I'm going to eat clean all week. I'm not going to drink. And then you go on a bender for the weekend and you drink all the drinks. Cause almost like it's, it's going to be off limits on Monday. So you have to drink everything and then you're hungover mm-hmm. and you overdo it. I never overdo it anymore because it's something that's a part of my life. Um, yeah. a skinny margarita, a glass of wine. I, if I have like a burger or wings, I have to have an IPA and it's such a part of my life that it's not as tempting to keep drinking. Cause it's going to be there tomorrow and living with that balance, like having something that I enjoy every day, like a margarita has finally given me like squats and margaritas is finally, I work out hard. I still enjoy my life and I don't live with deprivation and stress anymore. This plan works for me. And I wanted to like, put it out and share it with the world. And people are like, you need to watch your alcohol. You shouldn't be drinking every day. I'm like I drink every day so that I don't drink to excess. And I think a lot of people assume if you have a glass of wine, you have more, like I can moderate it. I feel like I'm not deprived if I have my glass of wine, but if they said I couldn't, then I would feel frustrated. Like, and I would go crazy and drink a bottle of wine on Friday night. So that's why it works for me. I can moderate it. I know how it wouldn't work for someone that can't moderate their alcohol, but before I would just overdo it because it was like going to be taken away. Now that it's something that's part of my life, it's not that tempting. It's just something that I don't overdo because it's readily available to me. (laughs) It's not off limits. You don't have to defend yourself. (laughs) No, I know. But like, that's people are like, you drink every day. And I'm like, and I'm in the best shape of my life, but because I, because I drink every day, uh, because I allow it, I swear like that's yeah, now that's I okay. don't overdo it because yeah. it is something I have every day and got in the best shape on this plan of balance. But I've also had like eating disorder. I have to watch. I just posted something before we started this. My book came out two years ago and the only person, like some eating disorder people came right at me like DMS, but this one was a review on my book and like I was cr- two stars and I was like, <gasps> She's like, this woman has no right speaking on eating disorders when she's not a professional. She shouldn't talk about anything that recovery is because basically squats and margaritas is my story. So I'm sharing my story, but it's not congruent with what professionals see recovery as. So I shouldn't be allowed to talk about these things and nobody should like take my advice on this because I'm not a professional. Like when I say things, it's like, (laughs) you should not be telling people have a margarita every day. Like that's not healthy. Like why would anybody, but I'm like, this is what I do. And if it works for someone who did restrict and feel like everything was off limits. And now I don't abuse my body anymore. I listen to my hunger cues. I have what I want every day that could help someone else and has helped other people that have reached out to me. And I've showing that I did come out of it. And now I live this way. It, it's, it's not the professional, like educated way to recover. So I shouldn't share how I live now, because it's putting the wrong message of what recovery is out into the world. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's like interesting. Cause I think like everybody has like their quote unquote margarita, right. Where like, I don't really like drink every day. I don't drink every day, but like I yeah. have dessert every day. Okay. And if someone said you couldn't, and it was like, no, it's not how, like only on, or you should eat clean during the week, but you can have it on the weekends. Would you be able to just have the one? Or would you be like, I know, I know I can't have it on Monday. So on Saturday you eat an entire cake or you, you know what I mean? This is, this is what I always tell athletes. All right. (laughs) So like, at least like anybody that's like a college or like, if I work with like a adult quote unquote, right. Yeah. Um, so, okay. This is always the thing for me. Right. So like 
in high school, was there ever something that like you wanted to do? Like, I remember I always wanted to stay out past 12, but my parents would not let me, or maybe it was 10. I feel like it was very ridiculous. Like, okay. I love you mom. But like, it was like, she wouldn't let me stay out past 10 o'clock. And no matter what, like, I only thing I wanted to do was like, stay out past 10 o'clock. Right. Is there anything like that for you that you had? Like your mom said you couldn't do. It's the same thing when you go to college. Yeah. It's like a curfew, just anything that, anything that she said I couldn't do. And it's like, I'm doing it. That's the first thing I'm going to do. My husband, you're making me think of this. Like he always leaves all the lights on all around the house. And it's like, oh my God, I'm always turning them off. And he's like, when I grew up, my grandma always turning the lights off, turning the lights off. He's like, so now I leave the lights on because I wasn't able to, I was like, that is ridiculous, but I feel like it makes sense here. (laughs) <laughs> yep. Or like, yeah, my sister, right? Like she always wanted the temperature to be like 66 in the house. And like, yeah. my dad was like, no, we're not wasting energy. And so now like you go to her apartment. And like, <laughs> so She's like, yeah, it is finally. Yes. It's the same Great thing with food, yeah. right? You're like telling yourself all week or like, you're just telling yourself your entire life. Like you can't eat a food. And then it's like, that's the only thing that you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then okay. you like, so you right? have to make an allowance so that it's not as scary or tempting or like special reward. Like I can have a glass of wine. I just had a glass of wine last night. Like it's not, it made it not as like special or something that I had to look forward to. It's just a part of my life. I think for so long food to me was like reward something I took away. Now it's like, I just, I I honestly like drink every day because now food is an experience. And I like pairing, like if I have pasta, I have to have red wine. Like I said, it wings a beer. It's a whole experience. It's not just a stuff your face until you throw up type situation. So now I enjoy my meals and I have a drink with them. Yeah. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that too. Cause like when you look at that and like the negative quote unquote effects of alcohol, which there are some, right. Like it's it's very hydration. Yeah. Poor recovery. I mean, it's just not the best for the body when it's done in like binge amounts, but like, that's like, I believe over two glasses for a woman. I cannot remember exactly, but I asked someone recently, it's one, one drink per day is drinking a moderation for women, two for men. Mm. So technically I do drink one drink a day. I do drink a moderation, Mm -hmm. but it's not the best. Like you said, for recovery, you're not going to set your PR the next morning (laughs) after you drink margarita. I think it's, it's kind of just like everybody has their vices. Right. And I feel like we've just like said some vices are good and like some are bad, Right. but like everything in moderation, like that's so funny. This has nothing kind of nothing to do with it, but, uh, I had a woman on that has a CBD wellness for women line. And she's like, every night it was like glass of wine or two. And it's like mommy wine culture. It's fine. Like have your glass of wine. You're a mom. But she's like, be like, I'm going to have my CBD gummy. And it's like, Oh, the stigma. She's like, it's the same thing. It's like, some things are more acceptable than like a glass of wine is more acceptable than like de-stressing with a CBD gummy. And I was like, that's so true. She's like, you're doing it for the same reason, but wine is more, it's just an acceptable, more acceptable vice. Um, I, so thinking of things that are not like, this is sustainable for me living with balance. I can do it every day. It's not a start and stop. I feel like everyone's doing like dry January right now, stuff like, how do you feel about those type of things that are like fast or a dry January? That's not a sustainable thing. Like it's like a good jump start, or it's pointless. I think it's so funny because like, because like I'm a dietitian now, again, like I used to be like, I didn't have the best relationship with food. And I feel like 
as a dietitian, like you either like, like have a history of loving food or you have a history of fearing food. Um, I've had both. So I definitely loved it when I was growing up during around soccer. I definitely like feared it, you know, especially transitioning out of sport. And now like, I love it again. Mm -hmm. Um, so I like surround myself with like, like like-minded people and like on Instagram and like all my social media channels, like I don't follow any of those accounts and like none of that comes to my discovery page. Um, but every morning, like I have good morning America on and it's like always a new diet thing. And I just like, forget about it. Like I've forgotten that, like how toxic that environment is. Um, so, I mean, I don't like, kind of like you said, like, I don't ever recommend like going, starting anything like that. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's like back to controlling, like you can't have something. And I think anybody with a disordered eating past or any kind of food noise. Thank you for admitting that you had some too. Cause I feel like women just don't say it out loud. Um, any kind of setting, even intermittent fasting, like to say, I, I don't want to go back. I don't want to trigger myself again because I finally just listened to my body. So now be like, now you, you're not drinking for January. You're only eating between 12 and seven. I don't, I just want to be in like mindful of what my body needs. So I don't mess with it. I do understand though, like coming out of the holidays, like even as like a health professional and somebody who's like in a really good place. And like, again, somebody who helps women like get into a good place. Um, I do understand like your sleep schedule's off. You're eating like new foods. Maybe they're not all bad, but like bad in quotations. Right. But like, it's just different. Like you're off your schedule a little bit, like mm-hmm. during the holidays. And I can understand like the idea of like, feeling I understand like the idea of going on a detox I see where people like feel like that would be a good idea mm-hmm. but like that overcompensation and that like restriction like just is going to cause you to like go 180 in like two weeks right yeah. um so but again like little changes I don't think are ever a bad thing or like you know like being like, okay, I'm going to move my body more this week, or I'm going to maybe add in some more fruits and vegetables because I didn't really have any over the holidays. Yeah. It's not because other things are bad and that you now you need to restrict. It's just like, okay, we didn't really get a lot of fruits and vegetables in the holidays. And we yeah. look at fruits and vegetables. It's going to be our main source of micronutrients. So like yeah. we need to increase those just to balance everything out. Cause it's about balance. Yes, it is. Um, I should end it right there. <laughs> Squats and margaritas. Now I was going to say if somebody is inspired and they want to like start the new year off, so you wouldn't recommend like a cleanse or a, any kind of fasting situation. It just, a, like you said, small changes. Like if they want to just start, don't start on a diet to kind of kickstart it, just slowly, like kind of work things into their day or. Yeah. That's what I recommend. I would recommend like, you know, trying, like the first thing is like, especially when you're trying to like transition or you're trying to like change the way that you're maybe fueling your body is like, what can you add in? Like the body just does so much better with like positive, like reinforcement and like, okay, like what can you add in? Right. So like example, right. You eat two pieces of pizza, right. Pizza's mm-hmm. not bad, right. but right. when we look at pizza, right. It's going to be mainly carbohydrate and probably some fat, maybe a little bit of protein. Right. So there's not going to be really, really any like color or like micronutrient presence on the plate. Yep. Yes. Bread and cheese and all, all foods contain micronutrients, but when we look at like a lot of the vitamins, right? Like we're going to be missing some of those. Yep. So let's start off by like adding, you know, a third of our plate, half of our plate of salad and then filling up the rest of it with pizza. Right. Yeah. So we're focused on what we're adding in, not like, oh my gosh, I can only eat one pizza pizza. Cause I'm on a diet, but like, 
no, like <laughs> add in some salad because you need your micronutrients. And then like, you know, now we have the pizza on the side because that's, you know, a really other, like another really important part of your fueling plan. Yeah. And you're not feeling deprived because you got the pizza. Yeah. Like that, that makes sense. Adding it in. Cause you always think about what can you restrict if people are inspired and they want to find you, you're doing like cooking classes. Like what do you have coming up and where can people find you? Yeah. Um, so I'm on Instagram at, at riley.baby.rd. Um, I'm also on TikTok, which I love <laughs> is the TikTok. wild west, but I'm also on TikTok. That's how I found you. <laughs> really? <laughs> I think women are not small men shared something you, I find all my guests on that. Cause like, I would, like you said, like-minded people, yep. um, I think they shared something that you did. That's how I found you. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I do like one-on-one individual packages. I also have like a low cost membership subscription where it's called PFC, where we just focus again, a lot on like balance and plate modeling, like not really on calories or anything like that. I'm doing cooking classes. I'm starting to do those free for once a quarter. We'll end it with like your most bang for your buck nutrition tip. If somebody takes one thing away from this, what do you tell them? Start off by fueling with one third of your plate protein, right? So some type of chicken, turkey, tempeh, (laughs) tofu, one third fruit and vegetable, and then one third carbohydrate. That's how I get all of my athletes to kind of start. I focus on plating like that. Thank you so much for listening to the Squats and Margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of Squats and Margaritas.